Hey, and welcome back to episode two of Ball Talk with Bun. Today, I will dive into some Kentucky Wesleyan basketball, college basketball games to look forward to this weekend, Super Bowl thoughts, and of course, Patrick Mahomes in the NBA landscape looking forward after the All-Star break. But first, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. That's the most important thing to talk about, right? Patrick Mahomes, I'm afraid he might be the greatest of all time. Um, some may really disagree with that strongly. Some may agree with that strongly, but that's just my opinion. Um, last year, I kind of had a feeling he was greatest of all time. I, I, I really view that differently than others would. People would probably say, well, so-and-so will have the rings. So-and-so has this moment, this amount of rings, this amount of MVPs. And I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to argue what, it's hard to argue against what Mahomes has done already. Like he's been in the AFC Championship every year he started, at least the AFC Championship. It's hard to argue against that. And even without Tyree Kill, he still has elevated his game to a different level. Tyree Kill just had eighteen hundred yards back to back seasons almost. That he's a Hall of Fame receiver, and he lost him. And this guy went back to back against two juggernaut NFC champions back to back. Who's the last guy who did that? Tom Brady, of course. Now Tom Brady, seven championships, that's hard to argue as well. But when I look at Patrick Mahomes, I just I truly I truly just don't see anyone who's ever played the game on the field as gifted as him. He's too gifted. And there really isn't a defense or a scheme or any sort of defensive coordinator that can find it. Like, there's there's nothing you can do to stop him, no matter who's around him, no matter what's going on. Nick Boza, Chase Young, uh, Hargrave, Arik uh, Armstead, they had great pressure all night. That was a great game for all four of them. But they, it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Um, outside of that, I thought Brock Purdy played pretty well. If I'm being honest, I did not expect him to play that well, but he did play well. And Chris McCaffrey got the ball. I said on the last episode he needs to get the ball at least 25 times. He got the ball 30 times. And the 49ers still lost. Um, 49ers, they probably deserve to win the game. They probably deserve to be champions right now, but Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Steve Spagnola, that's too hard of a hump to overcome. It, it's just like New England with Belichick, Brady, and Kraft. It's too hard to overcome. And I really think um, some decisions by Kyle Shanahan were pretty questionable. Some decisions by Steve Wilkes were pretty questionable. You see he got fired. Um and I honestly don't don't blame San Francisco because leaving Fred Warner one on one with Travis Kelsey is a fireball offense. Uh, every single week, we see these different defense coordinators put someone one on one with Travis Kelsey, and it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, he's literally the first or best statistically best pass catcher in NFL history. I, I don't know why you would go one on one with him let alone with a linebacker. As good as Fred Warner is, this 
you know, this is not some regular tight end. This is a Hall of Fame tight end. It was disrespectful. Uh, very, That's a verifiable offense. Kudos to Kyle Shanahan. But Kyle Shanahan, he needs to be addressed too. I mean, why would you take the ball in that situation uh, in an overtime where you're basically playing a whole new game? You can go score seven, but if the Chiefs tie back, we're in a whole different, we're in a whole new game. And you want the ball third, which would not be a guarantee. And, I mean, you, you literally took three. It's not like, you know, it's not like past time where if you score seven, the game's over. No. Why would you take the ball when Patrick was on the other sideline and he can just sit there and wait to see what you do? And if you took three, which they did, he knows he can end the game with seven. That was too easy. That last drive in overtime was way, way, way too easy. Way, way, way too easy. Credit to Andy Reid. He figured that out. He figured out how to get Mahomes out the pocket. He figured out how to get down the field with those, all those gadget toys they have. Miko, uh, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and the toys that they have. They made enough plays down the stretch because Andy Reid got them open in space. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. And Steve Wilkes was disrespecting the game. Simple as that. He was disrespecting the game. Kyle Shanahan disrespected the game. For one, your players don't even know the rules. And two, you're still you, you like you, you you're still going against Patrick Mahomes. You're trying to outsmart Andy Reid or whatever by taking the ball third and all that. This is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. This is a Super Bowl. We don't need to, you know, try to outsmart anything and overthink things. You need to defer in that situation. You need to defer in that situation so that you have a chance to win the game. Say so, your defense forces three and or it gets a stop. Just just, a, just bad decision-making by both coaches, Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, this, this, this system that he has in San Fran, it's really, it's really a sophisticated system and it really works out, but... He's he's really come short time and time again uh, in these Super Bowls in Atlanta and now twice here in San Francisco. And I understand Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback and Brock Purdy's quarterback, and they're not the most popular quarterbacks here. But come on, Kyle. I mean, you you really have this. You you have a super team, and you're controlling the whole game. You're controlling the whole game. You somehow lose. You, you got to win. You got to capitalize a win. You can't take. You can't take the ball in that situation, in that overtime. It's a new game. There's new rules and system. You have to adjust it. You have to adapt. On to college basketball. This Saturday, Kentucky will go to Auburn, which I think will be <clears throat> a eye, an eye-opening game. Uh, Auburn is a very, very, very solid basketball team. Uh, Kentucky is a very, very solid basketball team as well. But I feel like with their lack of defensive prowess on the perimeter, this could be a tough game for them. However, Kentucky can really score the ball. Rob Dillingham, Antonio Reeves, Reed Shepard, 
uh, Wagner. Then you add in Trey Mitchell. They can score the ball. They can shoot the ball. They share the ball well. And if they play discipline and if they get stops, this could be a dangerous team going forward. However, in this particular game, I think Auburn could win this game. Auburn's more disciplined. They're at home. And I feel like there's sort of a coaching advantage with Auburn. Bruce Pearl. I like Bruce Pearl in this game. Houston and Texas, I believe that would be a good game. Houston has some scoring struggles at times, but Texas does as well. So I think this will be a very, very slow, grinded out type of game. I think Houston will come out on top. Marquette at UConn, that's a heavyweight battle. Um, Marquette looked really good to start the season. I think, especially in Hawaii, they played Tennessee and Purdue. I thought they looked really good. Um, but UConn, the reigning national champions, they're, that's a juggernaut. That's a juggernaut. Darren Hurley has those guys playing really well. They have a mixture of guards and bigs that can play in any type of game, any type of environment. You know, they just won a championship. They lost Jordan Hawkins in the NBA, but they still replaced that with elite talent everywhere. Newton, Klingon, those guys, all of them. All of them are very versatile, and they know how to play together well. Just like the Kentucky Western basketball team, who is second in the GMAC standings with a 16-6 and record. I think this Kentucky Western basketball team is pretty deep. Uh, they play together well. They can shoot the ball. They move the ball. They really get after it. Offensively, I like I like uh, BZ, BZ uh, Fernandez. My guy averages 14 points per game. Logan McIntyre, I believe he averages 12 points per game. And then Kennedy Miles and Eddie Jones, they both average 11. Those guys can all shoot the ball. They all move the ball well. BZ for a big is a really good passer, I think. And he's really good with his feet inside. This is a good team. I think they're going to do really good things. And I think they... They could be a, a threat in March. They look really good right now. They handled Cedarville the other day. They have a huge game Saturday against Thomas Moore. I'm excited for that. That's going to be a huge game. As for the NBA landscape looking forward, the Cavaliers of late have been looking real hot. They're 9-1 in their last 10 games. I believe they're 18-2 and in their last 20 games. So they're... They're pretty scorching hot right now. Donovan Mitchell, I believe, is one of the most, if not the most, underrated player in the league. He's a flashy guard who gets after it on defense, for one, which most guards who score a lot of points don't do. He averages 28 points per game. He literally just carries this Cleveland team and does not get any MVP credit, which is pretty baffling to me. Darius Garland has missed a lot of time. Evan Mobley missed a lot of time. And they're second in the East with Boston in that conference, Philly in that conference, who did just lose Embiid. But Philly in that conference, Milwaukee, New York, Miami, all those teams, like Cleveland, have suffered some injuries, but not as not as significant as the Cleveland injuries. The Cleveland injuries have been really significant. Like I said, Mobley missed significant time. Jared Allen has also missed time. 
Garland missed significant time. And Donovan Mitchell, averaging 28 points per game, is leading this team to second in the East. He's having six assists, five rebounds. He's been on a tear as of late. He just scored 30 against Chicago today, even though he struggled, even though he struggled. In that fourth quarter, he took over the game, which he does in most games. Most people don't really watch Donovan Mitchell because I don't. I guess it's the Cleveland market. Maybe it's because LeBron's not there. But Donovan Mitchell, I mean, if you start watching him, he's an MVP candidate. There's not a lot of spacing on the floor, not a lot of offensive threats on the floor with him, and he's taking a, a huge load on offense, and he has a guard on defense. So I think this Cleveland team really should start looking forward to improve because Donovan Mitchell could be gone. But that's that, that's a conversation for a different day. That's a conversation for a different day. Who I also like in the East, like I said, the last uh, podcast episode, I do like New York after the All-Star break. They're going to get some of their guys back, including Randall. And I believe that will be huge going forward with OG Ananobi there. And like I said, Bohan Bogdanovich there. Once they start get going after All-Star break, they start playing more games, get more comfortable, that's a very, very, very dangerous threat to Boston, to Milwaukee, to Miami, whoever it may be in the East. In the East should look out for them. Boston, of course, I guess they're the team to beat in the East. I'm really worried about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and their consistency. How will how consistent will they be in April or in May or in perhaps June? We have to see, but I assume that this team will be ready to go when it's time for playoff time and this playoff push coming up because that that's an elite roster. That's an elite roster. But I still have questions about Joe Mazzula. I still have questions about Jason Tatum. I still have questions about Jalen Brown. Are they really the guys? Are they really going to show that they're the guys to win the championship for Boston? We're going to see. There's been a lot of guys moving in and out of that team. Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward. Marcus Morris, Marcus Smart. There's, there's been a lot of guys in Boston, and they've they've yet to win a championship. So it's really it's really starting to it's really starting to you know like I said last episode, you, you got to get some urgency over there in Boston in the West. I, I can't ignore the Clippers. Wednesday night they played the Warriors for Kawhi Leonard. Ty Lue gets ejected. Paul George fouls out. They still win. That was a great game. By the way, the Warriors have been looking much better recently. I think teams should watch out for them. I think they're starting to figure something out, especially with Kaminga. But James Harden, Norman Powell in the fourth quarter were fantastic. James Harden controlled the whole game. He controlled the pace of the game. In the second half, him, Zubac, Plumlee, they're a threat in the playoffs. If you have a big that can rebound and can cut and can run with an elite guard or a guard that knows how to control the pace and can play make and make good passes – you're a threat in the playoffs. On top of that, they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That's star power with more star power off the bench. And Norman Powell off the bench had 21 points. He was 5-7 from three against the Warriors Wednesday night. That is all for today on Ball Talk with Bun, episode two. Next week, I'll be back. We'll be talking more NBA. We'll be talking some NFL, a little bit of NFL. We'll be talking a lot of college basketball, but mainly we'll be talking NBA. We're going to talk about All-Star Game, a little bit of All-Star Game, a little bit of All-Star Weekend. If something happens, 
Then we're going to talk about these game, NBA games going forward, and we're going to talk about some potential conference championship games and some bracketology. Thank you.